I'm Susan Freeman. Welcome back to our Property She podcast series, where I get to interview some of the key influencers in the extraordinary world of real estate. Today, I'm delighted to welcome one of our key influencers, Amanda Clack. Amanda is Head of Strategic Consulting at global real estate services giant CBRE. Her 30-year career has already included partnerships at two of the big four accounting firms and presidency of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. Amanda has the distinction of being only the second woman to hold this office in its 150-year history. Amanda is listed in Who's Who and unusually has 44 letters and one word after her name on her business card. Amanda is also the co-author of a recently released book, Managing Diversity and Inclusion in Real Estate, which outlines key strategies to promote diversity in real estate and construction businesses. Unsurprisingly, Amanda has won many awards and accolades. Most recently, she was shortlisted for Mentor of the Year at the Women of the Future Awards 2018. Now we're going to hear from Amanda on her career to date and her thoughts on the key issues facing the real estate and construction sectors today. Amanda, welcome. Hi, Susan. It's great to be here. Really exciting week. Um, yes, I know it's been. It's going to be a very busy week because you're launching the new the new book, which we will get to. We'll get to in a minute. So. Just wanted to start off saying it's probably an understatement to say that you've had a pretty varied career um, to date. It's uh, included partnerships of two of the big four accountancy firms, presidency of the um, Royal Institution of Chartered uh, Surveyors, only the second woman in 150 years of history, and you're now head of strategic consulting at CBRE. So the common theme seems to be property and construction, but what is it that um, attracted you to the sector and what has kept you in the sector for so long? Yeah, I think probably I can summarise that as making a difference. And what I love about the built environment is that you're making a difference to people's lives every single day through um, effectively the environment that you're creating around them. And that making a difference has really been sort of a theme through my career. So whether it's been doing business transformation um, for FTSE 250 companies or whether it's actually making an impact at board level within real estate and construction, that's what really motivates me. And you've been described as a superb strategic thinker, which must stand you in pretty good stead in all these roles. But if you were asked to describe yourself... How would you how would you describe yourself? Um quite dynamic, um quite high energy, probably a bit of a nightmare in that regard if I'm honest. Um but I really enjoy people and I think it's the impact on people that really kind of motivates me both in terms of my team and also the clients that I work with. And I guess, you know, that's again one of the reasons why I'm passionate about the whole war for talent, particularly within real estate and construction because for me I love what I do. I feel incredibly privileged to be able to do the job that I have at the moment and that I've done in the past. And through that, actually trying to encourage more people to come and do the same thing. And I'm intrigued by this expression, war for for talent, because I sort of wonder who's fighting who and actually who's (laughs) winning at the moment. Well, I think, um, Susan, it came out really from some work that we did with RICS in 2014. And that was looking at RICS futures. 
And we'd done some research um, with the director of strategy at the time, looking around the world at where the world's going to be in 2030. And through that, effectively, what employers were saying that they were most concerned about was actually the war for talent. And really, how do we get the best top talent into real estate and construction? And that's really where the tension lies. And actually, it's things like, um, you know, the the likes of the more media technology type um, environments that are more likely to attract that top talent than perhaps real estate and construction. Because I think real estate and construction has perhaps unfairly had this pretty poor image, particularly for people from minority groupings and for women to actually come into this world. And I want to sort of myth bust that. And that's sort of some of what we've been talking about within the book, about how do you really start to drive that change so that people, whether it's attraction through schools programmes, attraction into um, apprentice or graduate programmes and or then retention in the workplace, how do we keep that top talent and how do we get it in the first place? This is great timing because you are literally launching um, the new book now, Managing Diversity and Inclusion in the Real Estate Sector. I mean, it's something I know, you know, over the period I've been in real estate has been talked about and uh, the top uh, real estate services firms for quite a long time have actually been recruiting, you know, men and women almost 50-50. But the women seem to... They seem to melt away. And I, I don't know um, whether that's something that you are addressing and how you how you keep once you once you've actually got them to come into the sector, how you keep them there. Well, I think one of the things with the book is that this is about action, not words, which is kind of quite ironic, given that we're talking about a book today. What you're saying there is absolutely key because it came out through some research, um, again, that we did, which was on the back of the inclusive employer quality mark. And it was the first time that we got data from across the sector at the time from 50 firms. Now there's about 175 firms covering around 300,000 employees that signed up to the inclusive employer quality mark and what that baseline started to tell us was that the senior level really get it now I think they you know they get the agenda they understand the reasons why diversity and inclusion matters if you like the entrant level um, they look for firms for organizations that have a good social responsibility and that are diverse and inclusive in in the way that you actually create the workplace but where it goes wrong is in that middle layer and it's particularly for people that are at their mid-career. And a lot of that's actually about how do you support the leaders in that middle management layer to um, retain and keep that talent within the workplace once it's actually in there. And we're seeing that in, in all sorts of manifestations. And I think it's why the gender pay gap statistics for this sector are particularly poor. And, you know, it's a demographic issue that we have to kind of really keep pushing and nurturing that change through the period. No, it's interesting. You say it's um, it's it's action, not words, because you often do see a lot of a lot of words, and people pay lip service, but um, but then things don't don't actually change that much. So, would you say that over over your career in real estate, so it's been it's been thirty years or so, that that you've seen change in the attitude to to women in the profession? I think so. I think it's it's starting to change, and 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 again, it's you know one of the things I think why. 
I love the front cover actually because it's it's these two big cogs with two construction workers turning those cogs and you know two leaders kind of doing fist pumps underneath it and and I really believe that together we can really start to make a difference by turning that dial on diversity and inclusion and I think I've seen it in my own career I can remember you know I, I went straight from school into um, doing a day release degree and was working four days a week and literally you'd walk into a room you know a networking event for example and you'd be the only female in the room and I kind of you you either decide that you blend in or that you decide that you're going to make a difference and stand out and I think actually as I've got more confident through my career I've kind of really wanted to have that impact in terms of standing out I don't know if you've seen Pearl the lovely little Pixar um, cartoon that's just come out but but she's lovely she's a pink ball of wool that goes into um, a very male dominated environment and um, she kind of has to re-knit herself to actually blend into to wear a suit but um, uh, but then a yellow ball of wool turns up and actually she embraces the yellow ball of wool to come with it and then gradually you see the whole workplace change and I think that's the sort of change that I've seen over my 33 years now in, in real estate and construction but we still have such a long way to go you know the statistics are awful I love the I love the idea of re-knitting yourself. Actually. <laughs> I think, that's, I think that's, that's brilliant. And I know one of the things that you, you've talked about is that, you know, women need to be more visible and more prepared to be out there and to be and to be uh, role models. And there does seem to be a reluctance to do that. So um, I went to a women's property networking event recently and there were a lot of you know young you know young women there sort of really keen and enthusiastic but you look around the room for you know the more senior role models and they just they weren't they weren't there so I think we could probably improve on that. Yeah I think and and it's really really important again funny enough the last time I was in this studio we were doing some um, radio interviews Sean Tompkins the CEO of RICS and I and it was on the back of a YouGov survey that we had. And it was looking at 13 to um, 20-year-olds and basically what they look for and what their um, thinking was around construction and real estate. And it was in 2016, and at the time, uh, Theresa May had just taken power and Hillary Clinton was running for president within the United States. And what these young girls were saying was how important they felt it was to see the opportunity for women to take on those top roles, clearly in that case in in government and in the public sector, but also how for them having these role models within real estate and construction was just so critical for, um, for people to actually really sort of aspire to. And I guess, you know, I feel that very much with the Women of the Future Network. So I've been involved with that since RICS sponsored the real estate, construction and infrastructure category. And, you know, that network, we've got a lovely little WhatsApp group. Um, Hello to all the ladies on there. Um, They're just fantastic. But the support network that they have for themselves and that I'm a part of, I hadn't appreciated the difference that that can make. And I guess it's, you know, one of the asks would be, and it's again, it's in the book, you know, to form these networks, whether they're informal cross-organisational or within your own organisation, that these support networks, whether it's multicultural networks, whether it's women returners, whether it's a female network, whether it's a, a BAME network, it's actually getting people to come together where they can feel supported in the workplace and that's really, really important. And uh, you've talked about the importance of mentoring 
and also reverse mentoring. So how um, how important do you think reverse mentoring is? Yeah, I think it's it's um, incredibly important. And it was um, Justin Carty, who's actually, he, he's again written in, in the book. Um, he I knew him before I joined CBRE. And he came up and we were chatting. Literally, it was sort of one of the first events that I'd attended. And he asked me if I'd mentor him. So I said, well, not exactly. I wondered, actually, if you would reverse mentor me. And for the first time in my career, I have a reverse mentee. And I think, you know, we both felt a bit awkward about it for the first couple of sessions, but we've kind of got into a really nice groove. And I I find that hugely invaluable to really kind of understand and be able to talk about things to him in a very different way so I'd really say to anybody you know one get a mentor in fact have several because you get different things from different people I think I've had people that have known they've been my mentors and and other people I've just ended up having really great conversations with and also recognize that you're going to need those different people at different times in your career or your life and that's okay to change those mentors around But also to think about, you know, particularly if you're senior within your organisation or if you're senior in the profession, to look whether getting a reverse mentor is going to help you and also it helps, obviously, your reverse mentee. Yes, and I, I just wondered whether you have come across tour mentors which is something that Pippa Malmgren referred to in, in, in an article she wrote recently for the Sunday Times. And it's not a, it's not a term that I've come across um, before, but she was talking about how tour mentors are as important to your career as the mentors because they are the people that stand in your way, try and block your progress, don't like change. And actually thinking about it, that's, uh, you know, you probably had your share of tour mentors along, along the way. I think that's probably true. And, you know, you can learn a lot from those as well because there, there was one individual it's actually it was a lady and I think probably I learned how not to be a manager from her um she used to print off things that I hadn't finished and she would mark them all up on red pen and then put them back on my desk for the next morning and I was I used to get really cross because I hadn't even handed it over and I just I hated that because you know it was it was kind of so obvious at the time I was taking off quantities as a quantity surveyor and you know I was only about 20 and it was like you know, just give me a chance. I know what I'm doing here. I just haven't had a chance to get to that yet. So, um, and giving people time, I think, is incredibly important. I had the huge privilege to work with one of the speech writers for Margaret Thatcher in government. And funnily enough, he taught me how to recognise that everybody writes in a very different style. But what he really brought was he would change maybe four or five words in something that I'd prepared as a business case and the impact and the difference that that would make. But he would always talk it through with me. Now, the difference, the stark difference between those two, I think, is you know really important about how you manage your teams. And it certainly sort of put me in, in very good stead, I hope, um, in terms of the teams that I've managed. It's interesting talking about your your woman manager because uh, I don't know whether you've come across queen bee syndrome but the assumption seems to be made that if you um, you know, have one woman in a senior position she's going to really help all the other women in the organisation to progress but it doesn't always happen sometimes you actually get the reverse and a senior woman actually doesn't want you know she wants to be the only female and she doesn't want to help um, you know other colleagues get up the career ladder I have no time for that 
<laughs> Personally, I mean, I find that just so irritating. So I have this really strong belief that you climb the ladder and you bring someone with you. And that's men and women, actually. Mm. So I don't think it's either or. But particularly, I think women need um, that help and that encouragement to come forward and to step forward. So I've, I, I just will bust through things like that. And if I see it, try and call it out as well. Because I think, you know, that's just... It's not really where you want to be. I don't think that sort of sets a a great example for anybody, actually, for men or women. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to bring other people around? Because actually, you know, particularly in this sector, the diversity and the richness of the people that we can bring in is all about making it more diverse and more representative of the communities we serve. And that's hugely important. You're absolutely right. And um, it would be nice if everybody saw it that way. But sometimes I think people feel a little bit threatened if they see younger people coming up who they think are brighter and have got better ideas but we need more people like you um just moving um moving slightly we um have sat on a group together for future prop tech which um has brought together senior property people and um bright tech people which i found very interesting um, and, you know, again, highlighted the fact that there is still a bit of a chasm between the world of real estate and um, and, and the world of, of, of tech. And I know you're very much in that space as well. Um, do you think that things are beginning to come together, that uh, real estate is really understanding and embracing what tech can do? Or, or do you think we need to be doing more? I think there's there's a lot in that question, actually. I think the short version is we've got to be doing more. I don't think we're anywhere near understanding the potential that tech can bring or the impact it's going to have on our sector you know within the next three to five years let alone the next next 10 to 20 years and again you know talking even my career I've seen the changes just really impact on a day-to-day basis and I think I can remember at one of the events at MIPIM where it was probably about five years ago, we started talking about prop tech and you know, maybe 10 people rocked up. And, and you know, last year when we were talking about prop tech, you had like 110 people. So, you know, the difference that it makes and I think, you know, future prop tech is another really great example of that, that I think people are genuinely interested in it and genuinely interested in the impacts that it's it's going to have. And I think... Interestingly, going back to that RICS Futures report that I spoke about earlier, one of the things that came out, so yes, for employers, it was the war for talent. But interestingly, for young professionals, the one thing they were concerned about is how do I remain relevant in a changing world that's you know changing so fast and rapidly around me? And when you think surveyors are probably one of the largest users of drone technology for example so how we use and how we embrace that technology i think is going to one make our role more interesting and take out some of the more labor intensive elements of it and therefore that really allows you to bring sort of knowledge and experience in a very different way to your clients so if you can kind of get over the hurdles of um, effectively what tech can bring you and use it to the best advantage it's got to be you know really good for the future now it's all it's all really exciting and I, I agree with you about um, yeah, the prop tech agenda just you know looking at the numbers I mean at MIPIM I think um, you know, there's going to be a whole separate prop tech program I don't know how we're going to divide ourselves up between that <laughs> yeah. and everything else that's going on but it's it's really good to see you have said that one of the biggest lessons uh, you took from your presidential term um, is that 
uh, a career in property and construction comes with responsibility and um it's something I think that people are focusing on more and more now, the sort of responsibility to give back. And I just wondered if you if you if you thought that the the property sector has, has, has really grasped that now and that people are really beginning to see their responsibility to the communities that they are changing. I think yes and no, again, is probably the answer to that. In some ways, yes. I think you're seeing a lot of people give I mean, you know, people give back a huge amount to uh, communities and to, to doing things differently. I think, you know, one of the reasons why, again, kind of just coming back to the book for a second, you know, why it's, it was originally aimed at just at CEO level is because there's still so much more that really we're asking of the CEOs um, and senior leaders within organisations that they can do to really start to make a difference on on this agenda. And it, it has to start from the top. So, you know, I, I think whilst people give an awful lot and they're, they're really looking to make those changes, I think one of the asks we would say with the book would be it would be great if, you know, all of the real estate and construction firms gave a copy of the book to um, their senior leaders and actually got the conversation going because that's what it's about. Just to say, all of the royalties from mm. the book go to Land Aid and we felt that was really important. So Judith Garbler and I, who co-authored it with me, um, we really wanted to make sure that there was this was about changing the dial and it was about giving back um, and that's really important, I think. Yes, that uh, sounds like a really, really good idea to get as many people as possible um, reading reading the book. Um, we haven't really talked about your role at um, at CBRE, which, um, as I understand it, the um, the role was newly created for you, which um, is an uh, interesting concept. So can you tell us a little bit about what the role involves? I have a fabulous role. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, it's a great place to work. And, you know, effectively, we have some incredible clients that I get to work with as well. And it's very much at that senior level. So really at board level, trying to work with boards in terms of what their agenda is around real estate. Um, so whether that's corporate real estate transformation, so what do they need to be doing, so occupiers and investors, bringing in technology. So we touched on technology earlier. So how can you sort of bring in, t- in technology and use that for um, the advantage within the, the client? Um, looking at aspects such as agility in workplace and creating sort of an effective uh, workplace for um, occupants is, is kind of one of the areas. And then also looking at things like placemaking. So it's kind of big strategic issues. And within that, effectively joining the dots within CBRE to make sure that we're bringing the best of the firm to our clients in every instance sounds like a perfect role for you it sounds <laughs> it's good fun. it sounds it sounds brilliant and um, I have to say that I am yeah I think I probably told you this I'm a great CBRE fan having done my MBA thesis with CBRE and I was lucky enough to spend three months sitting in the office interviewing everybody from the sort of boardroom um, all the way down so I know what a fantastic organization it is um, and um Yes, I suppose you probably quite a lot of your role would be encouraging your colleagues to embrace change and diversity and uh, everything everything that goes with it. Absolutely, and you know one of one of the things we've done is we've bought 
200 copies of the book and they're going there's some of the team are out in Dubai the leadership team from Amir and they're all getting a copy and then all of our executive directors are getting a copy and it's about having that conversation around the values and the behaviors that are really important and I think you know for that reason if nothing else if people just dip into it and take something away we've got some great illustrations in there as well from Farley Cats from the New Yorker and I just love it because, you know, every time I'm talking about the book, I can see these images. He's got a great one, which is walking the talk, and the person's got um, a pair of false teeth on a lead and the other couple's got a dog on a lead. And I can't ever sort of think about walking the talk without sort of seeing that image or tackling the agenda is this lady kind of wrestling somebody with agenda written on them in a wrestling ring. And that, for me, is tackling the agenda. So there's some just great images in there and it, it just lifts the whole thing, I think, and that's really important. Well, I think I think some of these illustrations are going to have to go onto the website along with... <laughs> The, along with the podcast, um, they are they are brilliant. Um, so we talked we've talked about the importance of, of mentoring and helping you know people you know coming up through the industry. Did you have anybody? I mean, you, you mentioned a couple a couple of people. Mm. Was there anybody who was you know a particular inspiration to you when you started out? Um, I think I've been, it's funny because I was thinking about this. I was talking actually to one of my mentees and she said to me, um, did you have a mentor when you started out? And and I'm not sure that I did because I'm not sure that mentoring was really that well recognised at that point in time. And, And I guess I was quite lucky to work with some pretty inspirational people. And therefore, you kind of you get something from them, which, of course, is mentoring, but it just didn't have the label then. Since sort of um, particularly in the last maybe 15 years, I've had a number of people that have helped and supported me through my career that have been that sort of safe go to person that you can kind of bounce the ideas off of and you can have, you know, a really good conversation that's in a trusted environment and what I really love about mentoring is that whether you're actually you're a mentor or you're a mentee you build up this huge trust and and through that huge friendship with somebody that no matter what that stays with you really for the rest of your life effectively and I'd like to think that the people that I mentor I will have that relationship with you know through their throughout their careers although you might not have a formal mentoring relationship and certainly the people that I've had as mentors um, I'm still in touch with all of them so you know that's hugely powerful and that's about building a network as well of course. Yes, I think I think maybe you know it is easier now because, it's, as you say, it wasn't something that was um, you know that was was recognised. And I know going through my career, the things that I did because I thought, well, I'm not being taken terribly seriously. I'll wear trouser suits and smoke cigars <laughs> <laughs> and, and That's suit up. Extreme. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it was interesting. You you know you try things. I think as you go along, but there certainly wasn't. I mean, you know, my partners were all men, and there certainly really there just wasn't anybody to talk to to say. You know, I I, I felt as if I was um, a bit of a trailblazer. So people always ask, you know, what's the best advice you've been given as you as you've gone through your career. Any any thoughts on what was the worst advice you were given? The worst advice? Um, I suppose it's probably almost in, in the early career where people were, particularly at school, funnily enough, where everybody just went to university and they forced me to apply to university to do a full-time course, even though I said that 
I really wanted to do this part-time day release basis, which again, going back in the day, was kind of quite unusual to be doing a study that way. And certainly for the school, it wasn't really where they where they wanted me to go. So they forced me to apply for university to do courses that I didn't want to do when I knew that I wanted to go into into surveying. So I think that's probably the worst career advice that I've had and the worst advice. But notwithstanding all of that, I actually stuck to my guns. And I'm really pleased to say that, you know, they've invited me back to go and talk to the girls at the school. And uh, I actually ended up where I was an assistant governor with the school for a number of years, of course, as well, um, which was, you know, hugely satisfying to sort of think that you're you're giving something back and hopefully encouraging that next generation to, to come into real estate and construction and help shape the world around us. So it all worked out okay. It all worked out okay, okay in the end. In the yeah. end. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what would you say is the is is the key takeaway for the book if somebody's just going to dip into it and, and really wants to get to the essence of it? I think we're using the hashtag be the change for a real reason. And um, if I say read only kind of one thing, it would be chapter seven. It's so exciting because called in a number of favours from people who are representative of a spectrum of different aspects of diversity and inclusion within the sector. And I have to say, as the stories were coming through, so we asked them to tell their story and then give a message to the CEO within an organisation. And every single one of them, I had my Bruce Forsyth moment every time they came through because it was like, that's my new favourite. So you're now my favourite. And then the next one would come in and I think that's now my favourite. So they're really powerful stories um, covering everything from, you know, somebody who's come from Africa as a um, a refugee and worked his way up to be one of the leading planning barristers to um, single mom to, you know, um, somebody who's deaf and, and what kind of changes can we make within the workplace to accommodate that. So I'd say if you read only chapter seven that would be brilliant and chapter eight is a summary of of all of the rest of the book so um for busy people that's the one i'd focus you mentioned that you are dynamic and obviously high high energy and you you clearly put an awful lot into your professional life um you you're also a keen musician i think and that's another career path you could have um gone along had you wanted to I mean do you do you find time for music and for other things or is it or is it work the whole time no you've got to have your breaks I think um otherwise you know you've got to get a balance right so I think you know whatever that is for you whether it's family whether it's hobbies sports general interests outside I I mean I love traveling so you know it's it's fantastic to go to some really exciting and different places I love photography big into sailing and skiing and as you say music as well so um, I'm lucky enough to have a house in France and that for me is my escape pod so I love to go out there and you know just kind of kick the shoes off and you know really enjoy the joie de vivre so the whole French life and and things out there Um, at the moment I don't get out there often enough but maybe one day (laughs) when everything else kind of comes to a stop that will be a great escape pad but I think you've got to have that balance in life and for me music's a fantastic outlet and you know it's great at the moment I'm working with the London Symphony Orchestra on their development board and you know that's great fun to get involved in something and it's so different from the day job and you know I find that really refreshing. Well I I really enjoyed that it's so brilliant to hear from a powerful female real estate leader who is 
leading the way and walking the talk on so many issues facing real estate. And she's also going out of her way to inspire and empower women coming into the real estate and construction uh, sector. I'm certainly going to be uh, supporting Amanda with the Be The Change agenda. So can you please all go out and buy the new book? It's insightful. It's a great practical guide. Plus, of course, all royalties are going to Land Aid, the property industry charity. So that's it for now. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. Please join us for the next Property Sheep podcast interview in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, make sure you check out our Property She website at mishcon.com slash property she for all our interviews and program notes. The podcasts are also available to download on your uh, Apple podcast app, the purple button on your iPhone and on Spotify, Downcast and whatever podcast app you use. And do continue to let us have your feedback and importantly, any suggestions for future guests. And of course, please follow me on Twitter at Property She for a regular commentary on real estate, prop tech and the built environment.